BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. We're all manipulating and we're all trying to control in different ways. Like even my personality type, tends to rebel against control, but that's my way of controlling by not letting you control me. We all control and we all manipulate. And it's, it feels so gross to see it because we don't think that we do. And we're well-intentioned consciously, but all that unconscious stuff is inherently manipulated because we're trying to stay safe. Like our subconscious's job, its sole job is to keep us safe and alive. You're listening to The Empowered Woman, Badass and Unfiltered Podcast, a place for inspiration, empowerment, and personal development. Showcasing badass women from all over the world, giving tips on personal development, mindset, and healing. I'm your host, Olivia, transformational success coach for spiritual female entrepreneurs. Now let's dive into this episode. Welcome back to the Empowered Woman Badass and Unfiltered Podcast. Today, our topic is what is your winner's strategy? And I have the Stephanie Zamora here with me to share her details and knowledge with you. She is an author and coach, a business and marketing strategist, and the founder of Stephanie Zamora Media a digital media and production company, publishing house, and a full-service life purpose development, branding, and online marketing boutique. Her company has been merging the worlds of personal development, digital media, and online marketing to help individuals build purpose-driven lives and businesses for nearly a decade. Her links are in the show notes below. Make sure you check her out. Thank you so much, Stephanie, for joining me today. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Of course. So when you, okay, when we talk about winning, you know, I, I feel like this is such a timely um, topic for a lot of people in their lives because a lot of people have been pretty like knocked down. Like what are, I, I think, for one, it has to do with like a mindset for one to even believing that you can. So art, but you can tell me you're the specialist. You tell me um, <laughs> what you believe 
is our winning strategy is such an interesting thing. And so kind of to give you a framing for this topic in particular, like the whole winning strategy concept is, you know, when we're between, well, up until we're five to seven years old, like our subconscious mind is wide open. Our conscious mind has not come online yet. So we don't have the ability to accept or reject information. So we're being like pummeled with all of these beliefs and ideas and concepts and experiences from the world around us. And we don't have the ability to say, I believe that, or I don't, it just all gets in there on the subconscious level. And so we essentially develop this winning strategy in order to stay safe, secure, and successful. And the winning strategy is built around what we believe or perceive as possible and impossible based on that kind of limited life and world experience that we've had while our subconscious was wide open and our parents or our caretakers or attachment figures are doing whatever they're doing or not doing. Like we're just getting so influenced by the world. And so we grow up believing that only certain things are possible and that in order to stay safe and secure and successful and essentially win at life, we have to behave in certain ways and engage with the world in certain ways. And so what's fascinating about this is we all find a way to succeed to a certain point. So whatever you've managed to accomplish in your life so far, even if it's not where you exactly where you want to be, like you've learned to win at the game of life to a certain degree in the sense that you've managed at some level to keep food on the table and keep a roof over your head and make money and have relationships and things like this. But anything that feels impossible to us is actually only impossible because of the strategy. Because again, we're engaging with the world in this way that says I can only succeed in this, in these ways. And so I have to behave in these ways. And that exact kind of framing and context of way of being in the world is what makes all these things that we really want impossible. So it's this really mind bendy thing. Anytime that we're not able to create what we want, which you're right. A lot of us are feeling really stressed and strained and kind of limited and held back by the state of the world right now. And just so many aspects of it. And, you know, there are external factors that can get in the way. And there's also that internal mindset piece of really you're functioning in such a way on such a deep unconscious level that you already believe what you want is just not possible for you. And anytime you think it's not possible, you activate this winning strategy and you go back over to the other side and win and succeed even more over here, like effectively reinforcing, like I really cannot have these things. So it's this really kind of trippy (laughs) internal mindset experience for sure. Oh, definitely. Now, how would you said something interesting about activating the winner's mindset? So how would you say somebody would activate that winner's mindset? Yeah. So there's actually the winning strategy is made up of four parts and it's essentially what we're listening for is where it starts. So, and I actually, I'll take a step back. I actually work with it the opposite way of way I, of how I was taught about it. So I start with our core wounding. Like if you do any personality typing, especially the Enneagram, like we all have this core wound, this, this one thing or set of things that we are so afraid is true about us. And for a lot of us, it falls into one of the same categories, which is I'm unlovable. I'm damaged or broken at my core. I'm not good enough. I don't belong or fit in. And so we all have some version of a core wound or a combination of those. And that is such a horrible feeling to all of us that we do very specific, specific things to feel the opposite. So I'll use myself as an example. My core wound is that I'm 
unlovable at my core. If you get too close, you'll see that I'm damaged and broken. So in order to not feel that way, I seek to feel chosen and special and unique. And in order to feel that way, I have to act in very specific ways. And in order to act in very specific ways, I have to listen for something. So it starts with, if you and I are having a conversation in order for me to feel like a winner and to succeed, I'm paying attention either through actually listening to your words or to like the energy of this exchange and this particular meeting that we're having. What is it that you really want? And how can I then make sure to act in such a way that I am the best version of that so that I'm so unique and special in your world and you'll choose me and I don't have to feel unlovable and damaged and broken. So we're always like listening for different things. And sometimes again, that can be energetically like, what's the vibe in this situation? Like, how do I need to behave to feel X, Y, and Z so that I don't have to feel my core wounding. So it's like this constant, like we're constantly surveying every situation. That sounds very similar to a people pleaser. Oh yeah. Yep. And it's inherently manipulative or winning strategy. Like when you unpack yours, every single person is like, you. <laughs> that's gross. I do that. And it's because we're trying to stay safe. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because you don't want to feel unloved. And if people like you and they choose you, then, you know, and it's so easy to do that if you just please them and, you know, exactly. And we're all trying to feel something slightly different. Like yours could be completely different than needing to feel chosen, but we're all trying to feel that thing that will keep us from feeling the awful core wound, which isn't even true, but like, if I feel like it's impossible that I could be loved for exactly who I am, of course, I'm going to go into situations and try to contort and compromise myself and like amplify the parts of me that you're going to like over the parts that you're not and kind of tuck those away. So it's like, it's just gross and manipulative and it's completely unconscious and we all do it, but we're just actively trying to stay safe and succeed in the world. I realize that a lot of people, they don't face these things as well to even learn them, like learn that much about themselves. So where would you say somebody starts to even learn about what their core wounds are? I know you mentioned the Enneagram and, um, I think that's like a very helpful, um, personality test as well, but, um, are there any other ways that you would suggest someone find out about themselves on that level. Yeah. It takes a lot of self-awareness. And so you can approach it from either side. So you can look, if it feels more comfortable, you can start with like, what is the thing that makes me feel the best when I feel it? So using myself again, if I feel special and chosen and unique, I feel super great. (laughs) So what are the feelings or the feeling set that like, when you feel that you're like, Oh, I can relax now. I'm okay. I'm safe. I'm loved, I'm secure, I'm, I'm winning in whatever the situation is. And then from there, you can look at what does that keep me from having to feel? Like, if I'm not feeling that, what might be true about me? Um, and then you can go the opposite way. Some personality types, it's easier to drop into like, what is the absolute worst thing I could possibly feel about myself? And then from there, you're able to start to tap into like your unique core wound. And again, it's usually one of those four things, but we each have our own flavor and like the story that we tell about. Yeah. You can find out a lot (laughs) about people's stories when they start talking, you can, you can see how healed they are, or, you know, especially, um, with the amount of, um, 
ownership that they take over their own Absolutely. stories. Um, yeah. What about um, some of your clients? Like what, like just not without giving a whole bunch of information about them, but just like, you know, an example, Bob or something was going through this and you helped him get to this point um, when it comes to their own winter strategy. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of great examples. Um, one that comes to mind that I use a lot is someone that was very close to me that their winning strategy was being wrong and like not good enough. So if they had to feel wrong about anything, it meant that they weren't good enough and that made them unlovable. And it's fascinating once you see your core wound story um, and the different types of stories that it tells, you start to see it everywhere. And it can be really hard without someone helping you see it like, oh, there it is again. And that can also be frustrating too, when you're just trying to like feel your feelings and someone's like, there's your story again, that's really annoying, but it helps to start to see like, oh, there it is. Like, look at me saying I'm unlovable. And in this person's case, it was this constant, like everything that they heard, it came through this lens of like, what they were listening for was how can I get this right? Like what's needed here for me to get it right? Because if I'm wrong, that means that I'm not good enough and I'm unlovable. And so we started to really like pick apart every time something happened, like you have to start to separate and this is what I do with my clients and what I've done with myself, like what actually happened from the story and the interpretation that you have about it, which is really hard at first because <laughs> our stories feel so real and true. And to a degree, sometimes they can be, but, you know, for example, this person would come to me and say, this happened at work. And so-and-so said this or that and blah, blah, blah. And this is how I felt. And it's like, okay, that's not what happened. What actually happened was you did this and they said that. It's literally all that happened, the way that you felt about it, the story that you're telling about it, the interpretation, like the spin that you like launched into and ran off on. None of that actually happened. None of that's actually true. And when we can start to unhook from this is all literally all that happened. I asked for this. They said, no, I didn't get rejected. It didn't mean I wasn't good enough or unlovable or that I got it wrong. I asked for this. They said, no. And then you can see look at all this story over here and <laughs> look at how bad that makes me feel. And when I feel that way, look at the ways that I spin out and I hurt myself or hurt the relationship or um, try to overcompensate in another way to get back to feeling right. And we start to see the patterns that we get into and the ways that we try to compensate so that we don't have to feel the bad things. But the thing that is so powerful is again, like what actually happened? What like, all that happened was X, Y, Z. That's it. And when you can detach from your story and your interpretation, it becomes a lot easier to be like, okay, if that's all that happened, what is it that I really want? And what needs to happen now in order to get to that? Like we get to bypass <laughs> the whole spin out and the whole launching into overcompensating and activating our strategy and behaving in all these like inherently manipulative ways. We just get to say, okay, I asked for this. They said, no. We feel our feelings, bummer, that sucks. And then it's like, what do I want? My end goal is this. Well, who do I need to ask instead? Or what conversation can I have with this person that might shift it to a yes versus spinning out over here? I'm suck and I'm worthless and I'm no good and they don't like me. And <laughs> it's like a very, a very big contrast between the two. 
Yeah, that that honestly reminds me of some NLP work. Literally, just mm-hmm. taking removing the emotions away yeah. from the in, from the incident and really actually looking at it and almost like reframing your mind on it. Because when you take yourself out of the situation and you really reframe your mind or, or just look at the facts, because how we interpret things is from our own perspective anyway. Yeah. So. We and when we add all this extra emotion and feeling to it, it makes it so much harder. And that's why these patterns are so repetitive. Um, Absolutely. Because we we've you know we've got that emotion with it. Yeah, that uh, <laughs> that's that's a big one. I, I I love that you talk about manipulation in such a fluid way, because a lot of people they don't think that they're manipulating people by right. you know doing these things, but it's to get what you want at the end of the day. We're all manipulating and we're all trying to control in different ways. Like even my personality type tends to rebel against control, but that's my way of controlling by not letting you control me. We all control and we all manipulate. And it's, it feels so gross to see it because we don't think that we do. And we're well-intentioned consciously, but all that unconscious stuff is inherently manipulated because we're trying to stay safe. Like our subconscious's job, its sole job is to keep us safe and alive. And it will do anything that it can in order to make that happen, which means a lot of us BS ourselves and then BS other people, or we activate these strategies that we don't even know are there. And we're trying to like, I need you to like me. So I'm going to manipulate this experience. Like people pleasing is manipulative and it doesn't mean we're these like malicious, awful humans. We're just trying to stay safe. Definitely. I, I think people need to also like understand what the definition of manipulation is in general. Um, because when they feel like they've been manipulated, you know, it's, they, they hear that and they always think about, well, not always, but a lot of times you hear the, the term manipulation and yeah, you it, it's, really negative and then you feel horrible about yourself. So you don't even want to like, Oh, I don't do that. I, I, I don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you do. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of times, you know, it's interesting, especially in relationships, how quick we are to label people as narcissistic and toxic and abusive. And that can be true. And sometimes people are very unconscious to their manipulation and their toxic behaviors. And that doesn't mean that we have to tolerate it or excuse it, but it's like, there needs to, I feel like there needs to be this in-between of grace, which makes it easier for us to then say, oh yeah, I'm manipulative too. Like, look at me trying to control that because I'm scared of X, Y, Z. And, you know, I have been in relationships with really good non-abusive humans that were manipulative like just crazy manipulative because they were just scared to death and they had no idea what they were scared of or what they were motivated by. And again, it doesn't mean we tolerate it, but it's like, there is an in-between of manipulation and control that is not actually abusive or malicious. I'm, I'm glad you, um, you said that. I, I also find that men in general, I don't know if you're like heterosexual or homosexual or you know, and I don't try to make those guesses in this day and age. Um, but I find that men in general just do not um, mature at the same level that women do. Yeah, It's also harder for them to do the inner work that women do. Um, 
so I found myself constantly giving my husband grace because I realized even though he's three years older than me, that he is just not even there yet. No, the, the society, the patriarchy doesn't support that. Like we talk a lot about the patriarchy and how it's really messed with women's heads and a lot of ways and toxic masculinity. And there's also the effect that it's had on men. Like men have grown up in this world where it's not okay to have emotions, let alone go work on your emotions and your like mental health and, and dig deeper and do healing and growth work. Like, of course they're, they're behind in that regard. A lot of the times, not always, but it's just the system isn't designed to support them or encourage that at all. I was listening to this interview that Ed Milet had with um, this man that wrote the book Battle Cry. And it was like an hour long, such a good interview. And it really opened my my eyes up to just that, you know, male side of it, of you have to be strong and a provider and all of these other things. But a lot of times men don't even have the proper guidance in the emotional realm from other men. So they don't know how to handle and deal with their emotions as they come up. They're just talking, okay, go out and fight. Or, you know, um, cause he, I don't think there was a single high school that there were like that boys went to that they didn't just like want to fight just for fun, you know? Like- <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I, I think it's so beautiful that you give your husband that grace. And I've done that with partners as well, or it's like, a lot of the times, because I've been so immersed in personal growth work, I'll get into relationships with men that have, I'm, I'm their introduction to it. And again, that doesn't mean that we have to tolerate people who are on a different level. If that brings us down or is damaging to us. And there's also a lot of room for grace of like, this is literally the first time he's hearing of this idea or concept. Like it's going to take a little bit (laughs) to integrate and unpack and like learn a new way of being around it. Definitely. Have you, um, have you found that because you do so much personal development that you outgrow your circles in general, just at a faster rate? Absolutely. Yeah. I talk a lot about, you know, something I say is with, with growth comes out growing, not always, but often. And that's been really hard for me to navigate, especially when I've gone through like really traumatic and challenging chapters that have then had like a a ton of, of growth and rebirth is you can love people so dearly. I mean, I've had the best of friends, like the most amazing humans that like really held me through insanely difficult seasons that I've had to let go of afterwards because the growth that I went through, the relationship became unsupportive you know, or they, they needed me to stay at a certain level. And that was just kind of inherent to the way that we engaged with each other, or it even started to become toxic and damaging because I would outgrow them in a certain way. And that would trigger things with them. And it's, I think it's a really difficult conversation because when someone outgrows you, that hurts (laughs) understandably. And a lot of people don't understand it and they get mad about it. And I mean, I've been called selfish. I've been called ungrateful. I've been called narcissistic. And I understand why people feel that way. It's hard when someone outgrows you and it's my outgrowing you is no reflection on you as a person. It's a reflection of where I'm at. And not everybody understands that if they haven't been through it, but I personally think it's the most loving thing that we can do is if we outgrow a relationship, 
and it doesn't work for us, it doesn't work for the other person either, even if they don't know it yet. Absolutely. I think it's inevitable that you're going to outgrow people, especially when you're on your journey to success in general. That's why they say it, it gets, it's lonely at the top. I don't necessarily think it's like lonely. You find more people that are like, you know, in the same same mindset and stuff like that. But a lot of times what you were saying when you were going through these hard times, that really reminded me of trauma bonding. A lot of people bond through trauma and, you know, they're there and, you know, everybody's not supposed to be in your life forever. It might just be a season. And if you have cultivated relationships based off of the trauma, like maybe you've gone through a breakup and they were also going through a breakup. So it's like, you know, um, but then you've healed and they're still like wanting to talk about it. That's not, that's not healthy for you. No, it's hard too. And they'll, they'll feel left behind. You're like, you just don't care anymore. And they supported you and you're not supporting them. And, you know, I am a big believer in not invalidating someone else's experience. That's, that's their experience of what's happening. And it doesn't make you wrong for outgrowing them and, and needing, to change. And I actually had a friendship like that. We became very close as she and I both went through breakups after really toxic and abusive relationships. And after about a year of being like inseparable, we did everything together to like stay sane and, and, and heal through it. I started to grow in a different direction. And there was this way that she would ever so subtly kind of like try to hook me and bring me back down. And like, even like playing devil's advocate in a way that was actually like, well, what if we looked at it this way? And it was like sinking me back down to where she was. And that was one relationship where it was like, I love the crap out of you. And we have been through so much, but this is like toxic to me now. And I had to let go. Hey, do you want to join this conversation? Do you have input that you would love to give? Join Level Up With Live Facebook community for badass spiritual women. It's all about accountability and motivation. And we talk about these podcasts as well. The link to join is in the show notes below. It, it makes me think, I'm like, who have I like, I, I guess when I was like on a weight loss journey, like I had befriended people that were like bigger than me. And then, but I was like, okay, well, I'm going to lose a bunch of weight. And they that wasn't like their plan. Really? So they, um, and I was only like, I hadn't been big all my life. I was really small in high school. And then I like had this bout of depression and I gained like 40 pounds in like two and a half, three months. And, um, I had already been gaining weight prior, but then I was, you know, I got to my heaviest. I was like 220 and I'm five, seven. So that's, that's a little much for me. Um, and my frame. So (laughs) I, um, but I was, you know, I was friends with people in school and, and this girl, she felt a lot more comfortable with me being bigger. And then, you know, I, I started like losing weight and, um, just living a, a lot healthier of a lifestyle. And it was always comments about the food that I was eating mm-hmm. and, um, you know, when I would stop eating and how much I was working out and, it wasn't, it was not supportive, but at the same time, looking back, it's because she wanted, you know, she wanted me to be where I was. Even things like, I mean, I've been in similar situations where people, when I want to get in shape, 
people will be like, we're already so skinny. It's like, you don't get to decide (laughs) for me what my healthy body is, you know? And it's like, that's about you needing to validate where you're at or needing companionship or whatever it is that you're getting from me being at this state. And again, people don't see that stuff. It's not, it's not always this like conscious, malicious manipulation and abuse or toxic behavior. It's just, people are scared to death. And when we start to change that threatens them. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And I mean, winning your winning strategy, it, it might, it's not just business, you know, like for those listening, it's, it's in relationships. It is in your fitness. It's in your financial goals and your, you know, it's in your, your household. If for instance, you've got a family that, um, you want to change the dynamics in your household and you've been friends with all these other families and they start to see, Oh, wait, y'all aren't drinking with us this, you know, this weekend or (laughs) doing this, or you're not, you're not spending a whole bunch of money on stuff that we used to spend money on. And it's just like, it's hard on all different aspects. This is, you know, really for the people listening, this is not just, um, for business. Um, you can win in so many different areas of your life and really accessing and looking at those areas of, you know, we're, we're going into 2022 and, you know, just really thinking about how you want to succeed in your life and what areas in which you need to shed. Um, what are some other tips that you have when, you know, a person's like just going through a change in their life? Yeah. There's so much. I think the biggest thing I always start with is knowing yourself and having a deep level of self-trust and the ability to discern. Because when we start to make these changes, when we heal and grow, everybody has an opinion. And some of those people will just be people who are scared, like we've talked about. And some of them will be really smart, brilliant people that we respect. And they can still be completely wrong. Um, I had that experience in my healing and growth. Three three people in my life that I respected immensely. I mean, some of the smartest, wisest, most experienced and knowledgeable people I had ever met that got it really, really wrong in really damaging ways about what they thought was going on for me or what I should be doing. And that was a huge lesson for me because I had already done a ton of work around trusting my intuition and listening to myself. But in that it was about a year, year and a half period. I had really given my power away. Like I stopped trusting myself and I had deferred to them. And so when it came down to some really like toxic, abusive stuff that was going on in my life and me trying to talk to them, all of them got it completely wrong. (laughs) I mean, they talked me into staying because they thought this and they had this experience and well, they were labeling me this and that. And it was like afterwards that taught me such a big lesson around it doesn't matter how experienced someone is, or if they've been through the same thing as you, they are not you context and discernment context is the frame, right? My experience and who I am inside of it and who else is at play in it is very different from yours, even if we're living out the exact same thing. And so experience is rooted in the past, which makes it often very irrelevant to what we're going through. It can sometimes have wisdom and nuggets that we can use, but that's where the discernment comes in. 
this is my experience. This is how I'm feeling. I know myself through and through my personality, my intuition, what I like and dislike, what's right and wrong for me. Nobody outside of me gets to say what's right and wrong. I don't care how smart they are, how much they know me, what they've been through. And that discernment piece, I think is really hard because there have been so many points in my life personally and in my work and with my health where I've made decisions that went against everyone that I trusted and respected and thought was smart and brilliant. And they were the best decisions I've ever made in my life. And if I hadn't been able to discern what was right for me in that moment, I would be really unhappy and unsuccessful and miserable right now. And so it's like, build that self-trust muscle. And it starts with knowing who you are thoroughly and having your own back, no matter what, not giving your power away to other people. Cause again, everyone's going to have an opinion. Most of them are going to be wrong because their opinion is irrelevant to who you are and your context and your experience. Like it doesn't matter how well they know you. And everybody's always looking at it from their own perspective. Yes. Not from, and from their own experience, no one ever knows what is truly going on. They're only seeing and making judgments. Um, they might not be bad judgments, but just in general, they're always, and they've got their own confirmation bias yep. as it is. So it's like, if they're looking at the situation any type of way, like, yeah, you should always do what you believe is right and what you trust. Um, and that doesn't mean it will be easy. Like trusting our intuition. I think we confuse with this magical, like synchronistic, everything happens and it's just seamless and smooth. And sometimes your intuition is like, let's walk you right off this cliff. Cause this is what you need <laughs> to get to where you want to be. And so if you make a decision that feels really right to you and everything just like hits the fan, it doesn't mean you made the wrong decision. It just means it's a, it's a tough path to get to where you want to go. And it's like, again, really having that self-trust and having your back and trusting that you can navigate everything that comes as the path unfolds. Yeah. You're going to make so many mistakes when you step out <laughs> against what the grain is in general. Yeah. Um, I mean, did you, did you feel that way when you like started your business? Yes. I made a lot of mistakes. Well, and, and it took me a while to build that confidence. Again, that self-trust of I am a unique individual and the work that I'm here to do is unique. And the way that I run, want to run my business is unique. Even if you and I run our business in very similar ways, you know, I have to know myself and what's right. And so I did a lot of the standard stuff when I started my business in online marketing and online business and running programs and things like that. And some of it worked to a degree and some of it was just like epic fails. <laughs> um, and it wasn't until I really started trusting myself and having that discernment. And I started ignoring my really expensive coaches and mastermind groups and my brilliant, smart, successful friends and, and started doing what felt right for me that I really started getting traction. But I have, I've made a lot of mistakes where it was usually came back to not trusting my gut and doing what I thought I was supposed to be doing based on what everyone else was doing. Um, yeah, but I, I, that's how we grow too, is sometimes, sometimes you don't know what you're doing and you have to just do something. And it's like, if you slam your face into the wall, it's like, okay, not that way. Let's try this way. <laughs> you know, it doesn't have to be this again. All that happened is I made a decision and it went horribly awry 
doesn't mean anything about me. I'm not a failure. I'm not a horrible person. I'm not going to like die alone on the streets, poor and whatever. Like I just, oops, that was the wrong thing. I'm going to try this now. You know, we have to give ourselves that grace. Yeah. You get a lot more comfortable with failure or the idea (laughs) of failure. Um, And to me, failure is just, it's so temporary unless you're like dead and you can't get back up. Like, I don't, I mean that, and you don't go to jail. Like, I mean, even if you go to jail, you can still, and you get out, like you can still, you can still make impact in jail. Like I've, I've watched a lot of um, people that have had completely changed lives and actually restored their lives after jail. So if anybody's listening that has been in jail, I'm not saying that you can't, if you're out, this is your, you know, opportunity to right your wrongs and, you know, create the life that you want to live because you're not going back there. And when you're at your lowest points, that's when these things start to come up and mess with your head so much. What are, um, just one more question. What would you, what are you looking forward to most in 2022? Hmm. I would say having more of the conversations that I really want to have. Um, I am, I am so passionate about this stuff. I mean, that's why I love having the opportunity to share with other people's audiences and just like get people to think about things differently. I'm really passionate about people living their purpose because all of us have a unique role. And if we're not fully expressed and doing our work in the world, like that's not okay (laughs) because we're not happy. And that makes us sick. And also if you just look at the world, it's just a hot mess right now, (laughs) you know, and it's not going to get any better unless we really start addressing it. And we can't address it if people aren't showing up the way that they're meant to and the way that they feel called to, but people can't show up for so many reasons because of trauma, because there are endless systems in this world that like hinder our ability to be who we are and to be fully expressed. And it's not safe. And it's, it's just, I'm so passionate about all of that, like giving people the tools to stay rooted in who they are so that they can do their work in the world, however big or small that is, whatever corner or globally, like it doesn't matter. It's important. Um, so I'm really excited about 2022. I'm, I'm personally focusing on being a lot more vocal, which is scary. I think all entrepreneurs and creators and people, it's scary to use your voice, but I really want to start making the work more accessible to people in a lot of different ways. So speaking and sharing, but also creating a lot of products and just pieces of content and work that help people access this and think about things differently so that they can be as fully expressed as possible and really heal. So I think that's what I'm most excited about and equal parts terrified about because it means a lot of putting myself out there and being exposed and, and creating on a different level and unpacking my own stuff and, <laughs> you know, meeting new people. I'm very introverted. I love connecting with other people. I have loved connecting with you and it's, it's a lot, you know, it's tiring. And so I'm just really excited about focusing more on what's most important to me, which will ideally help other people focus on what's really important to them so that they can make the difference that they want to make. I love that. I'm so excited to see what you do in 2022, seriously, because it's good to know good people Yes, that want to help people achieve their own personal goals. You know, you talked, you did not mention 
making a whole bunch of money or anything like that. You said you wanted to make it more accessible to other people. Yes. So you're definitely one of those people that's about impact over income. And I, I love that and I admire that. And I thank you so much for sharing all of your good nuggets. Um, you're, you're making me want to do just more additional shadow work on <laughs> just based off the Enneagram stuff that you mentioned. Yes. So, thanks so much for joining me today. Again, guys, her links are in the show notes below. Thank you so much, Stephanie. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Empowered Woman Badass and Unfiltered Podcast. If you found any value in this, please consider sharing and subscribing. Now go out and be a badass.